0: Get IXL now and listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com slash audio. Visit IXL.com slash audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price.
1: Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast. My name is Josh Peck, and I'm your host, and your name is Listener, and that's what you do, what you listen. I got nothing to say. Pandemics suck. They're bullshit. And listen, has this you know last 10 days taught any of you what it's taught me, which is that, listen, I love my family, but I don't love my— No, <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. I-, <laughs> I love my family, but this is, you know, it's close quarters. It's a lot of a lot of face to face. And you know, we're not out on, you know, you can't compare this to the olden times because if this were, we'd be we'd be busy all day doing shit to stay alive. Like I'm the man, obviously. So I would be on the prairie or the on a mountaintop doing some stalking, hunting. So yeah, I would gather. Because what it goes hand in hand with hunting is gathering, got to hunt and gather. So I would be those things are what I would do. And that would be my contribution. And my son is fourteen months, so he would just probably be with me, holding my arrows and rooting me on as I got the feed for the night. and my wife would be back at the homestead making butter and churning stuff, probably just doing wife stuff, which is cool and necessary for the house to run. Right. So it would, uh, yeah. And listen, it wouldn't be ideal. I'm sure we'd be cold a lot and all that stocking. My feet would hurt because there's no way that they had Dr. Scholes or any sort of like good planter fasciitis insole pads for the shoes then. So Yeah there'd be a lot of blisters, a couple, yeah, a couple, uh, 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 bruised, uh, toes, but inevitably, uh, you know, we'd put in a good hard day's work and we'd get into bed and, uh, we'd go, we'd fall into a very deep sleep. But instead with, uh, this pandemic, we just have uh, fucking stare at each other all day, stare in each other's faces. And we contemplate ways in which to Hurt each other? No, I'm kidding. But we, you know, it's just a lot. It's a lot. It's a weird time, a lot of adjusting. But you know what? You don't listen to this podcast for all that sad shit. You don't listen for all that fucking news, uh, 24-hour news media, fucking Instagram. I'm a DJ. Listen to my live DJ. I'm a yoga instructor. Watch my live yoga class. I do Pilates. Look at this live. I made bread. You want to make bread with me? This is how I make a sourdough starter. Fuck that. You don't listen to this podcast for that. You listen to it for this. For the sultry, smooth, dulcet tones of your host, Joshua Michael Peck. And for a little bit of an escape from the day-to-day minutiae, the bullshit. And I'm happy to supply that. So I just want you to know that we're all in this together. But if you listen to the Curious Podcast, you're in it just a little bit better. (laughs) Am I right? Am I right? I'm right. I know I'm, I'm right. I'm fucking right. 100% right. On today's show, Jason Nash. You know him. Jason Nash uh, is a YouTuber, comedian, jack of all trades, very, very funny man who I met when we were both on an app called Vine. And then we reconnected through our mutual friend, David Dobrik. Jason and David have become YouTube superstars. They have a podcast called Views, which crushes it. Um, And they are just a pretty spectacular team. And Jason, David, and I, we all make YouTube with a big friend group of ours on YouTube. So we talk a lot about that. And I just like Jason so much. He's one of the nicest people and he's sort of ascendancy and the way that he's ascendancy, ascension. I'm just not, I'm not going to even try to say, I'm going to make up a word. So his uh, Chuck talk um, from where he started as a young comedian working at SNL to now being an absolute social media superstar I think is fascinating and we had a really good talk so can't wait for you guys to hear it please enjoy Jason Nash there he is
2: what's up Josh Jason Nash Josh Peck, are you finally. Fam- are you familiar
1: with podcasting?
2: Me? I know a thing or two about it, yes. I have my own podcast that I do with my friend, and we've been podcasting for the last three years. I also had a podcast uh, in 2006. I heard that. I, I did, did read that. Yeah. You were before Joe Rogan. In, probably around the same time, but yeah.
1: What what did podcasting look like in 2006?
2: It was just like my buddy built me a website and um, we just would like, you know, promote it on Twitter and like it, it, uh, it didn't go out to too many people, but you know, it's just me and my best friend that I went to college with and uh, yeah, and that was it. It was fun. I was, I, I, at that time I'd really gotten into Howard Stern. Mm. And so then I was like, oh, I was like, I, I want to try something like that. You know, like that's so much fun. Like to me, he's, he's number one. Out of like all entertainers.
1: What was the interactions like? Like, did you have an under, like, were people listening? Yeah. The,
2: I, I would say we were getting maybe like 10,000 people listening or something like that. But
1: then that's huge. It was good. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And it was based on, I had just had kids. So it was like two dads talking about their kids. Mostly is what we talked about being married and stuff like that and some funny stuff. And then my, um my, my friend had um, a brother who used to do the technical stuff and he was kind of like a character on it. He was like a um he was just like a pot smoking very kind of used to just shit on everything. So that was like a big part of the show too. It was like just listening to him come in and be negative and it was kind of funny. Like you need people that guy. enjoyed that. Yeah, you need that guy. Yeah.
1: So here we are sitting in your uh, would, would you call it palatial? <laughs> well, stunning.
2: I mean, it is a two bedroom but they converted home. garage that we call so we call it three. The city of California, uh, city of Los Angeles, calls it two. But what do they bedroom. know? But what do they know? My son is—he uh, ha- kind of hits his head in his bedroom because it's so small and the ceilings are so low. But yeah, I well, he's a new.
1: large. He's a large kid.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he no is. shorty. He's five eleven and fourteen. Yeah, he's fourteen years old and he's five eleven point two inches. Almost, he'll be taller than me soon by the by the summer, I think.
1: But here we are in your brand new beautiful home. Yes. And and I would say to you, what a difference three years makes. I know. Can you believe your life?
2: No, I can't believe it at all. It's crazy. Like, it's almost like I hit the lottery. Just. (laughs) (laughs) It's like I went into a quickie mart and did a pick six. And then, like, the next day, the ticket was in my sh- my jeans and I'd forgotten about it. And then my mother was like, hey, we played the lottery the other day. They said the winner was in Studio City. We should take a look. Wow. No, it couldn't be, Ma. No, no way. And then, you know, you
1: pull it out and you're
2: like, wow. I mean,
1: it's as if like the first year you won the state, the first year you won a scratcher and it was nice, but it yeah. was like 30 grand. Yeah. And then the next year, 2018, it was the state lotto you're uh-huh. like this is better yeah than the last year powerball <laughs> yeah
2: but let's let's be clear for people that are listening who don't know who I am it's a very small house in studio city i mean it's not i'm not living in a mansion i have a roof over my head which which from how you're looking at it is amazing because you're right because before i couldn't even afford a place to live so in that regard yes i am like wow i can't believe i am i'm a homeowner and all that, yeah, but I'm not. I don't have like a Bentley in my driveway.
1: No, a Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> I have half a Bentley. <laughs> no, I I mean it as like you know the one thing, and I'll I'll give everyone the spiel in the intro, but so many of our of my listeners, you know, know us. But the one thing that I love about our friend David Dobrik, I think it possibly could be the most. Sure. Was that he walked into a stand-up comedy club three and a half years ago. <laughs> yeah. Into flappers at Burbank. Yeah. Hollywood improv. Hollywood improv, fine. Sure. No it's need to room. show
2: off. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it was the little room.
1: The little room? Yeah. So what are we talking? 50? 50? 50 seats. Solid. 20 people sitting. <laughs> and he saw someone who for years, I mean, when, and we'll go through it. You have had the support of a murderer's row of like smart, creative, comedic, super successful people who all knew how good you were. And he was the one This like. My mom's opening a Pepsi. <laughs> Uh, is it a is it a Pepsi? La Croix. Great! It's a Sprite. It's a Sprite. We're keeping
2: it. We're keeping it Boston up in here. <laughs> She's got to have the Sprite once in a while. She doesn't drink them a lot. It's refreshing. But I like, I like I like that's her treat. Maybe once a week she cracks a can of Sprite, and you know it settles her stomach. Ugh. And yeah, you had a Seven Up recently. <laughs> seven Up. Now listen, that'll settle your stomach. What a ride! Oh my God, Seven Up's delicious. Man. Yeah, I like Sprite too. I like a nice fountain drink I love the um the machines they have now where you can mix and match whatever flavor you want that's the best you can get the dasani sparkling put a little high sea juice in there as well great I go with my kids and that's like oh well, it's one of their favorite things to do
1: when you're at you know five guys or something five guys you really or Medici, want to live it the,
2: up the pizza place in Sherman Oaks has it
1: oh my God what a
2: treat I might have to go tonight
1: <laughs> treat yourself yeah but like one day I want one of those in my house Richie Rich style. But like, <laughs> but this, you know, 19 year old knucklehead kid from Vernon Hills. Yeah. He was walk- 20. 20. At wa- the time. Walks into this comedy club, yeah. sees you perform and goes, I know what to do with you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And three and a half years later, you guys are the biggest thing ever.
2: <laughs> it's, it's really lucky. We owe it all to David. David did it all. And, uh, and he's, he's a genius, you know, he's, he's really good at what he does and. So we're all just holding on,
1: well, <laughs> for dear life until the next Messiah comes. <laughs> well, I'm glad you got the uh, you know the bullet points yeah. that, that the David Dobrik Corporation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what I'm supposed to say?
2: <laughs> no, I'm not supposed to say anything. I I do say that the thing about it is our relationship's really funny because I love him. Yes, I do love him, and I love him so much. I love him as a friend. I love him as a son. I love him as you know. I want to see him succeed. You know, I told him a long time ago. I said, "I'm here to make you look good." Mm. That's it. I said, "I am here to make you look good. Whatever it is that we have to do, that's going to push you further," because I, I I think of him as as the same thing as Wyatt. You know, like so. Um,
1: but he was the Lauren Michaels to your. Yeah, Bill Hader. He's the Scorsese here. He yeah. unlocked you, and it doesn't work. Like if you were if you were a nice guy, but you didn't have the goods. Right. God bless David. He's a sweetheart, but a couple months in, he would have been like, "We got to upgrade here." Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. Of course, you had the goods, and he knew because wouldn't you say like it's one thing everyone needs their their Scotty Pippen, like they sure. need their guy who's going to be the one who like. Can elevate them to the next thing and yeah. i think he saw that in you
2: yeah he i i don't know if he saw i don't know what he saw you know he, he's also not somebody that uh will, will tell you either i'll probably go to my grave never knowing exactly what he thinks you know i don't i don't know what do you mean? Like, I don't know what, you know, he's not somebody that would ever sit here and go, hey, you're my Scotty Pippen or, you know, <laughs> like I, from the outsider's perspective, I think that's a great analogy. Wow. Like, I'm very thrilled that you said that, but you know, he's, he's a kid, he's a kid making YouTube videos and, uh, and he, um, yeah, you know, what I think he was, he's, you know, it really came, just came down to editing all those years. I just needed somebody that would know how to e- edit me. Right, You know, and that's what he knows. He has a lot of skills, but one of his best skills is knowing how to edit and knowing when it the bit's over. Yes. Whereas my version of that YouTube video I would have made would be four minutes. It's only 20 seconds in his video. And then people are like, oh, that guy's great because he was only there for 20 seconds. So that's really the key to anybody that's out there trying to do something great. Like editing is so important, you know.
1: Do you think that there's, I I feel like you and I, because we come from that old guard of movies and television, which was like, I got another one in me, boss. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. What else do you need? I'm here for the team. Yeah. And he was so, he's so refreshingly unencumbered by any of those old rules.
2: No, not at all. Yeah, you're right. He's, he doesn't know the old rules. Right. He doesn't know a lot of things in general you know, there's there's celebrities that like come up and he's like, who's that? Who's this? And you're like, oh my God, I can't believe. But yeah, he he just, uh, you know, the the best thing about him too is he, um, he doesn't have any ego about anything. I used to be in a comedy troupe and I was like, I was with these two guys, great guys. And we spent most of the time fighting over what joke was the best and what thing was the funniest. And uh, he, he doesn't care where the idea comes from. He's just like, oh, it's just the best thing. You know, he doesn't need to be, the center of attention and that's really served him well I think where it's just like oh it's 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 Josh being funny this week okay great yes. no problem it's Jason being funny this week okay great don't care you know and that's like a beautiful thing to see it's so refreshing that's why when I left stand up comedy and and acting and I started doing YouTube it was so refreshing
3: because
2: mm. it was like you would go and help Zane Hajazi who's a friend of ours and Zane's not he's really funny but he's not about all about him it doesn't need to be all about him he's there directing he's there telling you like oh you know like he's letting his friend Matt King be like Matt King will steal an entire Zane video he's just so funny you know and uh and that that's like so refreshing I was like oh wow this is so sick like no one cares and and, and I spent so much time with like just with other comics like uh like me 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 and talking about me and me and it's just like, ugh, it's so gross. I hated it. I was so exhausted by stand-up comedians going to clubs and just, ugh.
1: what's that? It, it seems in a weird way with podcasting that the that the environment for comedians has become more nurturing over the last couple of yeah, years. There's not true. as much of that backstabbing. But what in your heyday of being at those stand-up clubs, what was it like? Cause it seems like a fucking cesspool.
2: That was that means I was literally was around during the time when it was like, yeah, people like wanted to. Get on Letterman and then that was basically it. Maybe you'd get like a premium blend on Comedy Central, which was yeah. like they'd take a bunch of stand-ups and put them in. But that was basically it. or a special. You could get a special on Comedy Central. But by the time you got a special on like HBO or something, you'd have to be really far down the line and like really polished doing it for ten years. and and uh, yeah, I mean, and to just to get back to David too, I thought it was interesting too, is like I, I would love to hear what what he would say about this, but I know that when he walked into the club, he, you know, we were paired perfectly because he had this need for three videos a week and like a lot of content and I was just desperate and broke, you know? So it was like, he, I remember he called me and he the next day after I did a bit with him and he was like, Oh, he texted me that night. Like, Oh, well, what are you doing tomorrow? And I was like, I never thought I'd hear from him again. And then I was like, uh, I'm around, <laughs> not doing anything actually. And, uh, and then that was it. And I was like, Oh, this is great. So it was fun.
1: I think too because what was that like September of 2016? Yeah, I think it was it was right around November 2016. I remember Vine died, mm.
2: my movie came out, and Vine died on the same day, and my movie did horrible the day it came out.
1: What was that FML? Yeah, it was
2: a movie called FML that I made, and uh, and like uh, no one no one downloaded it, and I was like, oh man, this is awful. Like I worked on this for a long time, and then Vine died, and then I started installing speakers with my friend. And uh, and I remember the first day I went to install speakers, I was like, you know what? Like, this is great. I'm like, I don't have to think. I don't have to be creative. I'm going to go hang out with my friend, install the speakers. I would like paint walls and stuff. And then I came home that night and it was Halloween and I saw my ex-wife. I'm like, I love it. I love manual labor. I'm like, this is great. This is fine. I'll be fine doing this. And then I went back the next day and I was like, this is fucking awful. I hate this so much.
1: (laughs) The veneer had worn off after eight eight hours.
2: hours. My my ex-wife still razzes me about that. She's like, remember when you were so happy working manual labor for 24 hours? I was like, oh, yeah.
1: Well, every actor, I feel like any artist, like because that's what eternally all we're doing is playing dress up. Let's not get it fucking twisted. Right. Right, right. So when you see like any that's what kills me, where you'll see like some some famous person who's like, I'm just really into horses right now and working on the farm. And I'm like, Yeah, today. Like (laughs) until that's done in like a week and a half, and you're back to like Barbados hanging out with Beyonce. (laughs) Like, stop it. Yeah.
2: Well, you know, that's part of acting is you gotta got to believe and you got to be really into yourself, too, to be an actor. you got to go out there and believe that, like, hey, I'm the guy or I'm the girl. You know, so I think all that's part of it. Um, I don't get too mad at actors. I think it's a pretty hard job. I mean. <laughs> I, I do. I think it's hard. But you've done a lot more acting than me. So maybe you'd say
1: otherwise. No, I would say it's really hard. <laughs> I think it's stressful. You know, I think it's, you know, I hate when people do like those false equivalencies, like, you know, it's not You know, we're not out here curing cancer. Yeah. No one is unless you're actually <laughs> fucking curing cancer. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, Dr. Raises it. I am. <laughs> right. I, I am. <laughs> I actually am. I work at Sloan Kettering <laughs> and I'm in a lab eight to 10 hours a day.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's actually serious work,
1: <laughs> but you know, it's, Like any of these sort of self-driven quests, right? The challenging part is, is that there's really no promises. Uh And especially for guys like you and I, where it was never um, guaranteed, especially early on. And I think of, I think why I have so much respect for you and people like us is like, I love a journeyman. I love a utility player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like someone who's like, I'm here to support the team. I'm good. Like I might not be fucking cheater, but right. not everyone's cheater. Not everyone's cheater. But like if you need a fucking double in the seventh <laughs> inning, <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, I'm, I'm your man. Yeah, I'm good for a double, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Under pressure. Yeah. That,
1: that's that's kind of how I
2: look at it. Like I, I I'm just really happy to be a part of that group of people that that make content and help everybody as much as I can. And um, and then david's like he's very uh he's just great like he's just great to work with you know i mean you just know how funny he is he's really 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 funny yeah and and sometimes i sometimes i wish people could see how funny he is like not off the vlog you know what i mean cuz he's like just so much fun to hang out with um and uh
1: do you think that so what-
2: so when he comes up with when he comes up with an idea or i come up with an idea uh then that process of execution is the best like that's like the other day like he bar- he came up with this idea he's like he was just standing looking at his backyard and he was like bro we should bury you we should bury you we should bury you alive and i was like oh that's really funny he's like he came up with the whole thing and so then we dima dug a hole my assistant dima sat out there dug a hole they covered me and then they covered my head and then when people would walk along that he had like a picnic and then we'd raise it and i'd be like hey you know it was it was like, it's a really dumb idea, but it yeah. worked great. So, just that whole process was once that, once you have like a good idea, that's the best part of the job for sure.
1: Well, it's interesting too, and to David's credit, and I think I, I remember that one of these bits specifically was that it was you and I, um, and I don't think I'm 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 pulling the curtain back too far, but it was you and I dressed up like Big Bird and Cookie Monster sure. in a Ferrari on Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah. And we really did get pulled over by the police. Yes. But David didn't catch it.
2: Oh, I don't Do remember. remember. So he didn't
1: We got pulled over by the police.
2: Yeah. Did it not go in the video?
1: And it didn't get in the video and David was sprinting to catch this part of the video. Oh yeah, yeah. And it was <laughs> it was unfortunate cuz he could tell already cuz he's so so many steps ahead Yeah, he said that's our tag that would have been incredible from this ridiculous moment where people are losing their mind on hollywood boulevard looking at us yeah and then within an hour he had contacted someone with a police car
2: Uh, yeah
1: and set it up so that we could sort of recreate it Uh uh-huh and it was done in he didn't rest on it. He didn't say, "All right, let's figure this out, and we'll, we'll, you know, sort of let the air out of it for a couple days, and we'll figure out the best way to go about it." It was like, "Here's the fix. We got to get a police car." And within an hour, it was done. And yes, this yes. Perfect button. Yeah, I do. I do remember that. Yeah, and that he, was. He just figured out how to finish it. It's the way the way he does it. He's really good. So, you're from Massachusetts. Massachusetts.
2: Grew up in the suburbs, Medfield, Massachusetts. Went to UMass. Moved to New York City when I was 20. Uh, well, Had an internship in New York City. I worked for Norm Macdonald. Worked for David Spade. You're getting way too ahead of me. <laughs> uh, I'm, tra- I'm I'm ready to okay. dig
1: into okay. New England, oh, You want to go back to New England? Okay.
2: So you're in New England. <laughs> Marshalls Framingham Mall. Beautiful. Uh, waiting for my mom. My mom was a makeup lady. I used to sit there and wander the mall until she was done at work. You're stunning Mother Lorraine. Now I love perfume on any woman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What's not to love? Yeah. Do you have a particular brand?
2: No, not really. But anytime
1: I smell perfume, I'm like, mm. <laughs> You know what a girl once did for me? What? I was dating this girl. I don't want to say where, but we were dating. Sure. And uh, I was leaving. I was working on this project for a couple months. And so I was going to go back to LA. And her gift to me when I left was a t-shirt from the town where we were shooting and she had sprayed her perfume all over the t-shirt. Oh, wow. So that I could have like this Pavlovian <laughs> response of smelling the shirt when she wasn't there. Oh, wow. It's like, Oh, like an interesting move. Donna. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this is actually kind of a, I, I, I had some respect. You like that. I, yeah. It was just like, here, something to remember me by, like <laughs> quite literally. <laughs>
2: You don't seem as impressed. I'm trying to think if I would like it or if I think it's psychotic. It's, maybe a little bit. <laughs> don't forget me, fucker. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I think it's cool. So you grew up with a sister, yep, your my mom. Sis- my sister, my mom, my dad.
1: And they were together?
2: Yeah, my parents were together till I was like 12. And then uh, I was overweight um, I was like, sort of funny in school, I guess, like kind of, but definitely not. Like, I remember when they voted for class clown, I didn't get it. And I was really upset. <laughs> Did you get funnier after the divorce? I got most outgoing.
1: Oh, please. If <laughs> the only worst they knew. One to
2: get. God. <laughs> Actually one most outgoing and most talkative. Uh, and then they, they brought me to the principal's office and they were like, look, you can't have two superlatives. You got to pick one. Sounds like most talkative.
1: I don't know if I want to be most talkative. You always got to ditch most talkative. As <laughs> yes, I ditch that one. That's an easy choice. Yeah. Did you get funnier after the divorce? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I was funny or not. I thought I was funny, but like a lot of my friends were, everybody in Boston's funny. Everybody in Boston's so funny. All my friends were funny. Seinfeld. Every single
1: one of them. Seinfeld talks about that. He's like, we were all funny when yeah. we grew up.
2: Yeah, I thought I was funny, but I guess
1: certainly once I did stand up for the first time, I was quickly reminded that I'm not. <laughs> well, Rogan, Joe Rogan has a bit about Boston and why he thinks people are funnier just because it's a really tough place to live. Oh, really? Is that what he says? Yeah, because he's from there.
2: And he yes, says. Yes, he is. I know. Yeah, that's true. I love Joe Rogan.
1: Just when you're working your balls off, like a lot of blue collar jobs, it's a tough weather. place to live. He said, I mean, I guess.
2: I guess it, I guess it is. It's cold. I guess because it's cold. But there, but no doubt there's so many funny people from Boston. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
1: So, but then you sort of fit that mold, right? A little bit of that cliche, like, you know, f- funny being born out of like not the perfect home life, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, definitely like having like a really macho father. And then having like an overdoting mother, that certainly probably created like this. Like
1: she's listening, by the way, about eight feet from us. <laughs> like my mother's like
2: the most amazing woman in the world. And then still to this day, when strangers meet her, new people have been meeting her because now she's in the videos, and uh, and new people meet her all the time, and they're just like, you know, your mother, your your mother is unreal. And I'm yeah. like, I, I know, I know. I just you know, I don't know what to say. She's just the best. She's just like. She'll sit and she can, she'll, you you could, anybody can start talking to my mother and my mother will tune right in to what's going on with that person and make them feel like a million dollars. Like, especially because so many of us are, all you guys are a lot younger than us. And I think that, you know, when you're twenties and something, maybe you're out in LA and maybe you're not lost, but we all, I think everybody's lost in a way. And so they can, they look at my mom and they talk to her and they're like, they just instantly feel better. She just has this amazing ability to to make everyone around them feel great. Like I I saw her I saw her talking to Vardon the other like a few months ago for like an hour.
1: Our, Just Vardon, in this intense our, conversation, explain who Vardon is. Our 13-year-old Armenian friend
2: sort of uh his brother does YouTube and he's like really funny on camera, so he's fallen into YouTube. Actually, he has his own YouTube channel. What am I saying? He has like five hundred thousand subscribers. He
1: made forty thousand dollars last year. Yeah, on cameo. He's eleven. He's just like <laughs> he's just like
2: this thirteen-year-old kid who's really, really funny and probably gonna go on to really big things. But even Vardan, as a thirteen-year-old kid, he came up to me he's like, "Oh my god, your mother, Jason. He's she's just the best. She talks to me. She made me feel so much better. She made me, you know." I'm gonna start losing weight, you know, and try not
1: to eat so much. And he could just appreciate it. I wish she was my grandmother. You know, just so oh, it's it's stuff like that is nice. Yeah. What um what's a great story? I mean, you've been sort of public about your relationship with your dad and it not sure. always being the most harmonious thing. <laughs> my dad, my dad's a great guy. My dad literally, if he walked in right now,
2: you'd be like, "Oh my god, this dude is the best. Let me hang out with Bob Nash. So cool." captain of the football team really strong 63 good looking muscular big broad shoulders deep voice bob nash
1: bob nash yeah, yeah, like, did he own like a car dealership he, bob he, nash he should he should have he, he yeah. could have owned a car dealership he
2: probably could have done a, a million things with himself and uh, but he he when i was growing up he was like you know he he had a lot of bad things happen to him basically his partner was murdered by the mob, and then so we went from having money when I was little, I was it to having no money to yeah. being like on the street, and so that probably made me the way I am too. Like I'm very like I'm not sentimental. I'm not like if if David called me right now and was like, hey, I'm done working together, I'd be like, great, I'm done, I'm ready, I'm I'm, I'm ready to go. You know what I mean? Yeah. I have no roots in anything, and I have no expectations for anything. I'm ready for this house to burn down right now. I'm ready for you know, my YouTube channel to die. How's that work for you in relationship? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's really good. That right. was really good. Probably really bad. Same here. Yeah. So, yeah. And you're probably similar, you know, where it's like you got the acting job, Josh, you're on hold. Maybe you're going to get it, or maybe you
1: do the pilot and it doesn't go. I mean, even deeper than that, I didn't have a dad. Right. So that kind of informs you that if, that, if the most important person in your life can leave, anybody can leave. And thus, yeah. better that you don't become invested in anything. Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. So yeah, so my dad, he's just like, uh, he was just you know really angry growing up. and, and uh, But I, I'm 46 years old. I've dealt with all of that. I think I called him once. And I said, Hey, I'm over all this. And he was like, okay. And he, and he, he took me for a walk once in Martha's Vineyard. He was like, Hey, I'm, I'm really, 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 really sorry. Interesting. For everything.
1: What was was that weird?
2: Like we were like renting a house and on the beach or whatever. I don't know what we were doing. And he's like, I want to, can I take you for a walk? Which he would never do that. You know? And I was like, yeah, sure. Uh I kind of knew it was coming. And then he just apologized and that made it all better. So for anybody that's like, I don't know. It's saying sorry really works.
1: What do you think that was born out of
2: from him? I think he probably like I think he probably maybe saw some of my stand-up material and probably was like, oh yeah, maybe it wasn't the best. And um and he I don't I don't know if my mother put it up to him put him up to it or he did it on his own, but yeah, he just said he was sorry and, and done with it. You know what I mean? Like I don't I'm I'm also the kind of person that like feels feels for the murderer. Too, you know what I mean? Like, when I see the murderer get arrested on TV, I'm like, oh, it's gonna suck for him tonight in that fucking jail cell. Oh, I'm not even way though he too. murdered somebody,
1: I know because we're slightly psychopathic. I think, <laughs> I guess, I mean, but then, but don't you feel bad for everybody? I feel bad for
2: Dima, like my assistant. I'm like, he went and got my daughter Pinkberry last <laughs> night, and I really didn't want to go get Pinkberry. And sure. Dima, he did it, he was like, I'll go get it. And he went and got her Pink berry, made her so happy. But I, I felt bad. I was like, oh, fuck, poor Dima.
1: <laughs> I think that's like a prerequisite of being an assistant in LA. How no, quickly I, can I, you return <laughs> the Pink And or Yogurtland.
2: <laughs> Yogurtland's good too.
1: So can you track when when comedy really became a commodity for you, when it really became a value?
2: Probably when I would moved a bunch of schools and – um. I, I moved, I moved to this new school and, um, and I didn't have any friends and I went and I, and everybody had to give this Martin Luther King speech, speech. <laughs> what, what does that mean? Everybody had to give the, I have a dream speech.
1: Like repeat it.
2: Everybody had to like stand up in front of the school and do it. I can't remember if everyone had to do it or I had to do it. <laughs> Solid. But I, I think everybody had to do it. And mine was really good. And so I probably, when I did that, uh, that, that won me a lot of friends. Like, oh, he, you know, he, he's, he likes to have fun or he's, he likes to perform. I remember when I was in kindergarten, they, um, they, we did like a little circus play and they made me the, the, the head mat, the, the ringleader. Mm. And I remember being like, oh, cool, cool. Yeah. That was, that's what, that's the job I wanted.
1: Yeah. I want top billing. I in want top billing.
2: I want to run everything, you know, I want <laughs> yeah. to say everything. Cause you know, everyone else doesn't care. But I was there like, oh yeah, this is like the really fun spot
1: to I've be. I've always thought of myself as a PT Barnum. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding.
1: Yeah, so those those
2: are two moments that I remember. And just like moving to new schools and like, um, you know, trying to make friends quickly. Just be like, oh, you know, and then looking back, like I I got I don't know if I got lucky or if I was good at it, but I've always I always had friends. I would always be like, I would and you know what my mother would facilitate that too if I moved to a new school or if like if, uh, my mother would be like, I'll drive and pick up from the movies if you want. And oh. then the kids would be like, whoa, your mom's going to drive and pick up?
1: God bless that mom.
2: It, yeah. And so. <laughs> 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 it's my mom's phone. Take your time, Lorraine. My mom, my daughter. She our- almost
1: spilled her sprite. <laughs>
2: <laughs> my daughter Charlie is starting to do impersonations of my mom. Is that the best? Which is what my sister and I grew up on. My sister and I would just impersonate my mom because she was so funny. And my my daughter has one, and it's it's like it's almost there. She's working on it, but she'll she picked up on how my mom um she does voice memo, mm. not voice memo. She she'll, she'll, she'll talk, uh what do you call it? Dictation. Yes. So she dictates to my talk to text. Yeah. So we're in Boston. She'll go at the natick mall period <laughs> on a way period going to pick up legal <laughs> seafoods period love you can't wait to see you period <laughs> and like my daughter picked up on that little thing and i was like that's good i was like that's good like oh wow first of all legal that's seafood. fun that's the best part of fatherhood if your kids like you know like like you in any way you share that oh
1: When they clue into like, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: That's got to be a revelatory moment when your child has their first bit of like adult humor.
2: Yes. Right. We were watching The Bachelor last night and she goes, My daughter turns to me and she goes, I like, love, hate this show. And I'm like, (laughs) What do you mean? She's like, Well, I love it, but I also hate it because it's so stupid. But I love to watch it because it's so stupid. I was like, Yes, exactly. Great great observation. We were driving home from, um, we went out to, um, we drove to Thousand Oaks the other day to look at some furniture because my mom, she found some furniture out there. So we took my daughter and then my mom's just so happy to be with us. So we went and we ate at Lazy Dog and like filled my mother's belly, which is like always puts her in a good mood. (laughs) So then like we like, my daughter and I, we put her in the car. My daughter and I are really tired and my mom was just talking a mile a minute on the way home. (laughs) She she rode by on the one hundred and one. There's like it's like the auto mile. She goes, whoo, Thousand Oaks. She goes, she goes. There must be some money out here. Mercedes. She she calls up all the dealerships. Mercedes, Lexus, Toyota, BMW, yeah. BMW. She she called up. We were dying. Oh, that's just good. Yeah. So stuff like that. That's the best stuff.
1: Do you? So you sort of noticed these things early on of like you picking up this comedic stuff. Does it ever, is there a thought that you're going to go into it professionally or was there another path that you had had in mind?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was growing up in Boston and I was like, I would watch Saturday Night Live and I'd be like, oh my God, I'm like, this is like everything to me. I was really into baseball and stuff and, and, and basketball and stats. I knew all the stats. And then one day I woke up and I was like, I don't care about any of this. I don't care. Yeah, and then my uncle, who was like, he used to quiz me on stats. I saw him one time. He's like, "Well, how about them Red Sox?" I was like, "Haven't watched at all." He was
1: like, "What?"
2: So That's just like sacrilege off, in Boston. Dan. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, uh, then I remember I, I like, I was like scared to tell my parents. I was like, "I want to be a comedian, and I want to go get this internship as I Live." And they were like, "What? No, what?" I told them both at the same time. They were like, "Are you crazy?"
1: Right. Yeah, because you guys didn't know anyone who was in. I mean, you had no connection to the business. None. It was a pipe dream. None. Oh, complete pipe dream. And
2: that's how, and that was like before the internet too. So, the internet's made it so now where it's like, oh yeah, it's a celebrity. Like, sure, you can probably go to any, go to L.A. and get a job as an intern with the Kardashians. That's probably not a big deal. But back then, it was like, oh no, it's showbiz people. We could never do that, right? You know. And then uh, I went to Saturday Night Live. Wait. I, so you
1: you graduate college.
2: Okay, so I hadn't graduated college. I had great friends in college. I was like loving life in college. I went to a state school. Like, did okay in school. Like, not great. And then I was like, I'm going to go work at NBC in New York. And I remember I went and I entered I, I I interviewed at Dateline to be an intern. <laughs> huge, <laughs> huge. I mean, of all the
1: hour long news programs, that's yeah. the one.
2: Oh, and then I oh I, okay my I, my mother my mother <laughs> this is a funny story my mother put a suit on me, um, she. She she was like, you got to look good. You got to look good going into Saturday Night Live interview. Of course. So she put me in like a really like nice suit. And then, of course, when you get to Saturday Night Live, you realize no one, no one wears suits.
1: They're all schleps. Yeah. Like
2: literally the person interviewing is in sneakers or whatever. So I looked really stupid. And I remember I went in and interviewed and I was like, I love comedy. I don't know what I said. Blah, 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 blah.
1: Are you an NBC page?
2: I wasn't a page. No, I was an intern. Which what, were,
1: is, what are the pages? They get, that's a
2: page program. Mm. So that's like a program that you you got to wear the suit. And you. I, I never did the page program. I didn't want to dress up in the suit.
1: And they move you around from departments mm-hmm. around 30 Rock.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you at that time, you could work on Conan's with Conan. You could work with SNL. I remember NBC Sports was a big thing. There were a lot of pages that did that. Um, the Today Show that was really big. If, if you had that job, because and then you know that we were all kids there, and then a lot of people wanted to go into journal, journalism. Some wanted to go into comedy, um, and uh, and yeah. And I remember I got I they called me in. They're like, oh, like you got it, you got it, you got the internship." Which at the time I was like,
1: "Oh my god!"
2: But really, it's not that big of a deal. They're not paying me, you right? Know I mean? But then at the time, and then you go back to school, and you're like, "Oh my god, I'm gonna be working at Saturday Night Live." And you're just, everyone's like, what? No fucking way. Are you kidding me? And then I remember, like, I didn't have enough money to go. Like, I couldn't afford an apartment in New York or whatever. And I remember um, um, my mother, I was like, well, I'm not going to go. And then my mother, my mother like, I don't know, somehow. She's like, no, you're going. She's like, we're going to find the money somehow. And I lived with this ballet dancer. I paid $900 a month for three months. We lived in a railroad apartment. So I basically stayed on this guy's couch was really weird. He had thousands of magnets all over the kitchen. And one time I knocked one of the magnets off and then I looked for it for like 20 minutes. I didn't see where it was. And then I got a, when I came, there was a note when I came home the next day, he was like, where is the choo-choo train magnet? So he was just like, he was crazy in like that New York way. And that was my first, like, you know, and I would, I would just walk to, walk to 30 Rock and.
1: What, what year was this?
2: This was. See, I graduated school in '91. No, no, sorry. I graduated school in '95, so it was fall of '94. So fall of '94 was like Sandler, Spade, Chris Farley. Chris Rock was already gone. Okay, but he was a he would he was around. He would come and like, um, maybe like chill with Sandler or whatever. I never talked to Chris Rock, but nice guy, I'm sure. And then, uh, and then I went back to school that spring, and then in '95, '96, I. I work for Norm,
1: and what's the energy like for those three months with Sandler? I mean, that was like
2: it, fucking like it's so it's so hard because you're like, I was already such a fan of Adam Sandler and Spade and all of them. It was like, and 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 not only that, but like he Sandler's the coolest, and are you uh, he's the they, nicest guy?
1: Yeah, how are they treating interns?
2: Um, so funny. Like the staff of SNL would treat the interns like shit, but like the cast the cast treated the interns really well. Yeah, You know, like they would come up and they'd like stand there, you know, maybe like, oh, like run down and get me some, get me this or whatever and buy yourself something. Just like shit
1: like that. Like they couldn't be nicer. All those guys. What's what's the schedule like, right? So it's, everything kind of gets on its feet. What's the pitch meetings on a Monday or a Tuesday?
2: (laughs) Yeah, they would go, they would write Monday and Tuesday. The host would come in on Tuesday. So let's say the host is like, I don't want to date myself. Let's say the host is Alec Baldwin. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah, at the time, (laughs) I I remember Alec Baldwin was a host once, Julianne Moore, Jean-Claude. I whenever was there for Jean-Claude Van Damme, but he did host. So let's say it's Alec Baldwin. So Alec Baldwin's the host. He comes in Tuesday night, and he, he goes from room to room to room, and he's like, hi. And then they'll sort of gang write. They'll be like, like Josh will be like, well, I have this idea. Let's say you're a writer. I have this idea. It's a, you know, fireman sketch. And he'll grab, you'll grab somebody, grab two people, and then you'll work on that for like an hour. And then all the scripts go in. And then on Wednesday morning at like 10 o'clock, SNL is like, you know, they have like really nice food. And people just pack into this writer's room with tons of seats. Like you can't even move. There's 100 people. There's production people, whatever sets. And then Lauren sits there at the head of the table with the host. The cast sits around the table and they Welcome read. Welcome
1: back, guys. Uh, yep. We had a great week.
2: Literally. Let's get it started. And it starts like that. He doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't not not from my memory. It's literally like that. Like we're great. Hostess, Alec Baldwin. Let's read sketch number one. Like that's literally a that's my memory at least. And then um they and you read. do a table read. They do a table read. They read through 70 sketches that are five, five or six pages long each. Wow. And then, you know, stuff dies there. You watch it all die. And then the in and, and then, you know, then um Lauren goes in to his office with the host. And I'm, I've never been privy to that meeting, but I'm assuming the host says, hey, I really like this. I really like this. This killed. And I'm sure along goes, this killed. And then he makes a board and all the writers go in and they look like high school to see what made it, what's going to go to dress. So then that's Wednesday night. Maybe they take it easy. So they stay up all night, Tuesday night. And then Thursday, when I would get to work, I would get there really early and already was like hammering, building sets, you know, stuff happening. Thursday they block, Friday they block, Saturday they block again, dress rehearsal. And then, you know, I remember like probably like four or five things, maybe three or four things get cut before it goes to air. So they do a dress and a live show. Right. And that's it. Because I've heard you hear
1: people- And then the party after. (laughs) Oh, we'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) Because you hear people say like, I had a sketch and on Wednesday crushed and literally crushed every single day. And then it dressed three hours before we went live, it just didn't take off. Yeah. And, and they cut it.
2: Yeah, I, I I I would see that too. I would see stuff that was like really funny and then the audience doesn't like it. And it's I a don't wrap. Know. And, and that's for anything, for any for any bit that you think's gonna even a stand up bit. You think this when I went on tour last year, like there's stuff that some nights it kills. And then you're like, try it again. You're like, oh, nope. Yeah. Not tonight. I don't know. That's, I guess, that's the weird thing about comedy too. I've never been able to, we're still trying. We're still trying to figure it out. We're still trying to figure out like what works.
1: I, I want to stay on SNL, but what can you attribute that to when, when a bit crushes in one place and then doesn't in the other, right? Because the easiest thing is to say the audience. Yeah, yeah, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> we love to blame the audience
2: I never do that by the way I Good never for you. blame the audience ever. I do sometimes I mean I I don't know why some you know what I guess I'm still kind of a novice because I I don't know I don't know why I, I I was in North Carolina one night and then the next night I'm in Pennsylvania and the same thing it's just like I don't I don't know I don't
1: know I don't know why I I think it, it depends on like I was doing. I had the Sklar's have a theory. Right? They told me once the Sklar brothers were really brilliant.
2: You need perfect conditions for comedy. Ah, they said and the temperature's got to be right in the room. It's got to be the the right ceiling, the right depth. Uh, so, anyways, that's one of their theories.
1: I mean, you have to go to your audience, right? Like you have to meet them where they are and not expect them to come to you. Yeah. So. I'll find when I do college gigs yeah if it's like a super heady smarty pants school then it's a specific probably more nuanced, less pushing type uh-huh. performance because I know that they're dialed in and they're also think they're also in their heads mm-hmm. so it offers an opportunity for me to adapt, whereas if I go to a school that's a little bit more of a party school, less academic, rowdier crowd. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah. Oh, that's interesting. Well, then that's
2: something that you, you've definitely figured out.
1: I think you have to. And inevitably, you have to adapt it a little, but I I just did two college gigs in a row, Friday night and Saturday. Friday, I was in Kirksville, Missouri. and Wow. And Saturday, I was in, at UC San Diego. And and, you know, I have my college gigs, which is like an hour of stand-up. But, you know, I, I definitely have at least about half an hour of stuff, which is just sort of old stories and bits that I know right. that, that they'll love. Right. And when I went to Kirksville, I hadn't performed in like four months. Right. And it went great. It, it went fine. But, like, I could tell it felt a little sweaty because I was nervous. Yeah. I was rusty. So yeah. I was pushing bits, and I could feel myself not listening to them. Mhm. And so I think that, you know, they see you where you're trying to push the agenda instead of being in this great push pull with them. Mhm. Whereas the next day, I felt so settled in. I was like, you know how to do this. You know these bits work. Right. And it just felt and maybe maybe it just felt better for me. But I think it was I'm pretty sure it was better the next day. Uh-huh. Cuz I just was a little more settled. Uh-huh. And not so sweaty trying to like run, you know, chase the laugh. Cause I have to remember that I am funny and this shit does work. God, <laughs> right. Damn it. Right. You know, the, I think any, and Norm is one of the greatest at the, at this is like the best feeling confident and like this material works. <laughs> I'll let you figure out how funny I am, Yeah, yeah but I'm yeah, not going to yeah. chase you. Yeah. Yeah. I
2: think he's probably who I learned from the most just watching him. Like I would go watch him do one time um he just went up on stage he just did bird calls cuz the jokes weren't weren't hitting so he just would call off different birds he's also he's also really smart he says he's dumb in his act but he actually reads a ton of, and he and he's a very smart person so he knew like all these birds and he would you know just stuff like that like he just doesn't give a fuck
1: how did you two get
2: get paired up oh man i don't know i have no idea i was just answering phones and he would just, you know, he would just walk up there with, like, literally, you could still smoke in the building. He'd be like, hey. Eh. And he would just, you know, the, a, a lot of those guys, when they were on the show, they would come around and test material out on the PA, the PAs or the interns or whatever. Like, you still, it's you know, being a comedian so vulnerable. Like, it's such a vulnerable spot. Like, so he, you know, they would, Will Ferrell would literally put on a pair of glasses and, and... You know, he would do this character, Ron, with like an ascot and he would just walk around. And, um, and I don't, and I don't, and I think he, I read somewhere, I think he just did like a little thing on YouTube about it. it what was really funny about that character he would do is he, he, never, he never intended it to even be like on the show. He just wanted to like create like a vibe. That's what he <laughs> says at least. You should watch that YouTube video. And, he, and it worked because it made everybody like love him. And it definitely like loosened up everybody because everybody was very stressed there or whatever. So yeah, that you would I would work when I, I guess when I was answering phones, Norm would come up and tell jokes or try to be like, and I laughed. I I thought he was so funny. So I think that's why he kept me around.
1: You have a great laugh. Yeah, too. I
2: love to laugh, and so I think he. Because <laughs> I remember when I left SNL and I went back, I went back um, to like watch a show and I was in the office with Norm. And he told some jokes and I didn't laugh, you know, cause I hadn't seen everybody in a while. And I remember he turned to me and he's like, he's like, what the hell? He used to laugh. <laughs> he like a big deal now? Cause you work at MTV. <laughs> hey, this guy used to laugh a lot. Now he's too big. He's too cool to laugh.
1: That's so norm. So norm. Yeah. Just attacking someone for their yeah, lack of yeah, laughter. Yeah, 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 Do you ever have to put in any bets for him?
2: No, I was never, he never (laughs) clued me in on any of that. I remember a lot going on and I remember trying to ask him, like, is you okay? Is there gambling going on? And I remember him being like, ah, don't worry about it. He loves to gamble. I guess, but I was never privy to any of that. He was, he, no, but I remember hearing that he was gambling a lot. You know, as an intern, they didn't really, I wasn't like, you know, the main person getting all the information there.
1: You know, it's interesting. Sandler was on, I don't know if you heard him on Howard promoting Uncut Gems, which have you seen Uncut Gems? I haven't seen it yet, no. Jason, it's the fucking best. Yeah, everyone says it's so good. I'll just give a free promo for good Uncut for Gems. Sandler. Good for him. He's the best. And what blew So nice. It blew my mind because I didn't realize this. And he talked about it on on Howard. He's like, I, I was fired from SNL.
2: Oh, um, yeah, I did see this.
1: Yeah. And because the head of NBC didn't like me. Farley or Spade. Yeah. That we were like these weird outliers in the cast, even though they were crushing. Yeah. And we didn't get asked back. And did you see any of that? Like, no, I remember
2: that Farley and Spade were off doing movies and stuff, and they would like, they were gone, and then they would come back to like maybe appear in a couple sketches on a Saturday or something that someone, that people had written for them. That was my memory. I remember Sandler like, also maybe being gone doing movies and stuff. So maybe that pissed, I don't want to speak out of school, but maybe that pissed NBC off Yeah, that Lauren had like sent them off to movies. I don't know. I I can't imagine why you would fire those three. Cause to me, they were like the funniest,
1: widely considered. Yeah. of the the
2: greatest. And, um, um, and Farley too. I I didn't spend, he was gone a lot making movies. So I didn't spend that much time with him. But when I ever, the few times I did spend time with him, Oh my God. She would just like sit and talk to you, and like ask me about my mom, ask me about like where I went to school, what I studied, just shit like that. They were they were great. They were all great.
1: So Saturday night, great show, killed it. Yeah. What's the party like?
2: The party. The party's great. I used to do. I used to do the door. Wow. And uh, yeah, that was fun. Where what? Where is the party? It's a different, different, amazing restaurant every week. Wow. Yeah. Like just, just you know food and drinks and, um, but I was at the door most of the time. So I wasn't like, you know, getting drunk or anything. And And I'm not that kind of person anyway to like, I don't drink that much. I was just kind of happy to be there.
1: If (laughs) let's say it was not a great show, right. Which happens. Right. Is the mood in the party flat? Yes. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It can be kind of flat, but I don't remember too much of it. Actually, well. Actually, I take that back. I don't think I remember ever remember I remember any of those parties being flat. You know, I remember like Christopher Walken like stumbling around drunk. <laughs> I remember I remember Seinfeld coming in that being a big deal cuz oh, he wasn't yeah. a host. But I remember him walking in and it being very like pay me respect. And- you know.
1: Well, yeah, at that time he was yeah, taking yeah. over the world. I,
2: I remember I remember that being like, Oh, this is a big deal that Seinfeld's coming and and uh, you know, make sure that you know he's got don't, his don't piss him off in any way.
1: So then how do you what happens when you come out to LA?
2: So I was doing what oh I got offered like a show, like a sketch show uh, for for VH1. They were doing a sketch show. I miss VH1. They put me up at the Oakwood. Great. With, like, Michael Showalter and Michael Ian Black and, like, we just did music sketches. So I did, like, I would play, like, John Lennon. I would play, like, Liam Gallagher. Shit like that. And
1: and at that time were you kind of like, okay, it's happening.
2: At that time, I was kind of like, yeah, this is it. But I knew that, like, a VH1 sketch show isn't necessarily going to be around for a long time
1: yeah it ain't a rocket ship necessarily
2: yeah and so i i i I was like shit i gotta get on to something else and then once i got out to la for that job it just it just made sense to leave new york and and be here and it was so much easier new york's so hard to live there if you don't have money so it was like oh wow i can live here for way cheaper i can go hiking i can have a car i can have a dog and i had all my friends here from new york that i had met that moved out anyway there was you know i'm i don't There was just like this mass exodus at the time of all the comedians in New York. They all went to LA.
1: I think anyone who's like like I understand why Seinfeld stays in New York because when you're worth a billion dollars, you can live nice. Yeah, you know, you can have a driver. Yeah, couple floors at his Upper West Side apartment. But like if you're in your 70s or 80s and you're struggling and you stayed in New York, I'm like, what are you trying to prove? Prove? Go to Boca. I agree. Go anywhere where it's easier than this. I agree.
2: And if you're not going to bars anymore and restaurants, there's no point, you know, unless you're like a Broadway head. Yeah. Oh, I'll tell you what was interesting that we skipped over was after, after that summer I had, I did one year there working as Norm's assistant and then the summer came, I started performing. Hey, what happened? Was it two years later? Eventually they, oh, they, they, they called me. They said, Hey, do you want to come back? And I was like, no, I'm going to take this job at MTV, which was like, I was like, it was a creative job. I was writing jokes and stuff for MTV. And then I started performing. And then I, maybe it was a year or two later, I auditioned for Saturday Night Live. And that was like, I just wasn't, I did good, but I wish I had done better.
1: Were you like the same on The same year stage? Jimmy
2: Fallon auditioned. It was like me, Zach, Jimmy Fallon. I don't know if Jimmy Fallon was there that day, but it was definitely that year. And then they flew me to New York, stayed, and that was like that was really nerve wracking to go back there, and the people that looked at me like shit before, now they had to be like, oh, he's auditioning, and they were nice, but I think in my own head I was like, oh, this is just like too much. Oh. It was tough.
1: And you were on the stage at Thirty Rock? on the
2: stage. I went out. I did all my bits that I that were like proven in the clubs, like stuff that I knew worked, and uh, and they warn you that. They don't laugh, right? They warned me and I forgot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I would too.
1: I would too.
2: They clearly warned me and I forgot because I remember I got up there and I um, I don't know why I did this, but I needed music for a bit. And I stood on stage and I was like, I need a CD player, like a boombox or something. And it was like, they just, everyone froze. Everyone just stared at me. It seemed like they stared at me for five minutes and then um Lauren just went like can we get him a box or something and uh and they do do that they do like test you to see um but I, but i, I uh I, I did i did good and i remember i remember getting off stage and um They came, one of the talent people came up to me and they're like, that was so good. Like, you did such a good job, blah, 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 blah. And then I remember there was like a good month where they're like, you're in the running, you're in the running. Which is huge. Which was huge. Yeah. And then no. And then I remember like, who is this Jimmy Fallon guy? And I remember then I remember seeing his
1: audition and I was like, pretty damn good. And that's like one of those freak... It, it that audition specifically it like it takes away nothing from your audition yeah no no it it, it just was one of those freak things where he had, it, it was almost like they had given him the answers to the test right he, he just he just
2: fit he just fit that like Sandler it right. was Sandler musical it was Fallon, funny white guy and then it was Andy Sandberg right that was it I mean those are those are the Lauren has these that's a trope That he he fills in, you know, cute, musical, heartthrobby, not heartthrob. And now it's Pete Davidson. Yeah. Not that Pete Davidson's a heartthrob, but he's, he's kind of cute and he's, and they're funny. He's funny. They're the class clown. They're like the kid in school. That's like David. Yeah. David could have that spot, you know, if he was more of a sketch performer.
1: So you move out to LA and what, what transpires, how does that turn into Vine?
2: Oh yeah. So I was just like married and like, you know, trying to do an odd job, doing jobs in the industry, like little writing jobs, game shows, kids shows. I would write, I would go work a few days as an actor and then like doing stand up around town, but not touring. Cause I had kids and I was like, I don't really want to leave my kids. And I'm cause I'm, I know I'm touring, I'm not going to make any money anyway. So no right. one's going to come see me. And so, uh, yeah, then I, I was doing like a lot of one-man shows around town. I would write these like crazy one-man shows about my life and my kids and my ex-wife. At the time, it was my wife. And then that, that – Comedy Central saw this show that I did and they were like, oh, do you want to make a movie about it? Like a really low-budget thing. And I was like, yeah, sure. And so then, so then I made this movie called Jason Nash is Married. It came out. It probably took a really long time to come out because there was like a lot of problems. People lost their jobs in the meantime.
1: But it was like widely well received. It was well received. People loved it. Sure. And let's talk about the people in it: Busy Phillips, yeah, Patton Oswald. Patton, yeah, Rob Corddry, yeah. Who else? T.J. Miller, Andy Richter, dude.
2: Uh, what a else?
1: fucking cast!
2: Yeah, I would I would steal shots with them um, on weekends. I'd be like, Andy, can you come to my house at ten o'clock on uh, Sunday? And he, you know, they're all just really nice people you know, that, that was, that was back when I was like, I was kind of in the, in the comedy scene and you just, you had, all you had was like goodwill. Yeah. No one a tribe. Was, no one was making any money. Well, they, those guys were, they were doing TV and stuff, but I wasn't, most of us weren't. So all you, all I had was like friendships and a, a, a little bit of respect from people like, oh, there's Jason. He's trying to do something that's authentic and that was all. That was all I was trying to do. I was just like, "Oh, I'm going to make this movie about my marriage," and uh, and then it came out, and I got on Vine. And, and
1: I, sorry, how yeah. much was the budget for the
2: movie? Ten thousand dollars.
1: That's insane. Yeah. That's beyond low budget. Yeah, yeah. I that, mean, they all did me favors. I mean, ten thousand dollars is what they spend on like two days on Steven Spielberg's coffee. Yeah. Like I know. And I know. What'd you shoot it
2: on? We shot it on like a cannon with like a little mic like sitting on top. I didn't even have sound. That's unreal. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, that, but I didn't know what I was doing. I was just like, okay, this is this is all I can do. This is all I can do.
1: I, that just makes me hate Comedy Central. That they handed you ten grand and they said make a ninety-minute film. Now. Yeah. Well, they
2: didn't. They 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 handed. They wanted me to make webisodes, and I made them a film. <laughs> okay, over deliver. So don't get I mad like at it. Comedy Central.
1: <laughs> I, I'm mad at them for other reasons. Yeah, but. yeah. <laughs> um,
2: but yeah, and then that was it. You know, you just do. You just, I mean, everything I do is like, just do what you can do. I all I could do at the time was like, shoot another scene and hope that it like and work it into the movie somehow and try to make it. I made the movie like backwards. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so that was kind of interesting. And then, uh, yeah, and so then. I I got Vine started, and I was like, "Oh, I'm going to try to promote this movie, this dumb movie I made." And Vine took off, and luckily, I I I Brittany Furlong dated this comedian, and um, Adam Ray. I know his name Josh. was um was Josh it, Myers. Yeah, it was Josh Myers, and Brittany would go and watch Josh do stand up, and then I would go on before Josh or after Josh, depending. And I struck up a friendship with her. Whatever, she was really sweet, and then she was on Vine doing killing it. And um, she called me. She's like, Oh, yeah, you want to make some vines? I was like, Yeah, sure. So I made some vines with her. And then that really elevated me, like, got me a lot of followers quick because I was there early. And then I met Brandon, and Brandon elevated me like crazy. Brandon was a phenom, you know? I remember seeing Brandon's vines and Brandon Calvillo Brandon and being like, Wow, this kid's so funny. So I just, I just DM'd him. I'm like, Hey, do you want to make some vines? And he was like, uh, Yeah, aren't you like 50? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, I am. So then I would drive down to Fullerton on Saturdays uh, before my kids would get up, pick up Brandon at like 8 a.m., do vines in front of his house, and then drive up back up, you know, to spend Saturday with my kids. This so I was still married then. I remember my ex-wife being like, What are you doing? Like, this is crazy. And I was like, No, no, I know it's gonna be something. I know, I know, I know, I know this is gonna be something. Like I could trust me. And then I remember uh I was like doing okay on Vine and someone called me and they're like, Hey, do you wanna make uh I don't know what it was. Maybe it was like twenty five hundred dollars, or maybe it was like less. Go to to go to Las Vegas and make a vine, and I was like, Yeah,
1: sure, a hundred percent, yes, yeah.
2: And I was like, I remember having a big fight with my ex wife because we had something to do that weekend, and I was like, No, this is like a big thing. Like this is what this is. It wasn't. It was just, it just needed the money. Really, it wasn't even that I thought of it as like a career. You know, um,
1: isn't it interesting too that like your personal life at that time. Was becoming incredibly challenging, and you're sure. going through it with your your, eventually what would become your ex wife, and then the counterpoint to that is sort of the beginning of this renaissance in your career. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Like the parallel of it's that. So
2: it's so interesting. You know, my my daughter was she was upset the other day about going like back and forth from houses and stuff, and and I I, I told her straight up, I was like, I was like, I, you know, all the stuff that like all the cool stuff that we we get to do now cuz like I'm a youtuber or whatever like none of that would have come unless i like moved out and like did what i wanted to do but my ex-wife's a wonderful person for she's sure she's literally so funny like so pretty the 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 nicest person in the world and it's i really blame myself it was like she wanted to be in her 40s and be what a 40-year-old woman does on the weekends which is hang out with her friends drink wine Talk about, you know, designs, you know, throws, talk about about throw pillows, pashminas, pashminas, whatever it is. Talk talk about Hillary Clinton, you know, and, 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 and that's awesome. And that I I was just sitting there dying. I was just like, I, I, I can't, like, I can't, I can't do this. I, I, and I, I, I wish I could like figure out why, but I, Uh, it's not
1: hard to figure out why. I I mean, yeah. Why you tell me. You were an unrealized artist. I yeah, mean-
2: that's really what it was. And I, and I think that she, she like, God bless her, like, she accepts, she accepted that. Mm. She, now when I see her, she's like, oh, that, that's what he's meant to be doing. He's meant to be riding in David's Tesla, you know, <laughs> while Zane's, you know, trying to get something funny on Sunset Boulevard on a Saturday night. And, and that's, and now I'm so much happier, you know, I don't have anyone in my life she has a boyfriend now which is great i'm happy for her um but uh yeah that was that was it but just to like to leave that to leave like what you're supposed to be doing and um so yeah that was tough
1: with how much work you do on a regular basis and sort of how married you are to the process is there room for a person in your life
2: no i mean not really i mean like i i i, I wish I mean, I wish I would like meet somebody that was like, you know, wanted to do YouTube, but I just don't so what's really tough? What's a normal day look like for you? normal day get up,, um, you know, grab the camera, start filming, film whatever I can, go over to David's house, run over ideas with him, whiteboard stuff with him. If he's editing, watch his edit, help him with the edit, um come up with. And then there's a lot of days where, like, I come up with ideas for my vlog that maybe can spill over into his vlog. Stuff like that. That's good when there's synergy like that. Um, but, yeah, my, my, my directive is to, like, keep my channel going. I'm writing a book. I got a book deal, so I'm doing that. Um, another tour.
1: That's it. And what you know what i've noticed about social media right is that you become big on youtube and then there are these sort of proxy businesses like a tour mm-hmm. merchandise yep. a book deal yep. you know brand deals mm-hmm. is there that's the number one question i get what how do you get how do you make money well not make money cuz i think now on youtube i think we're all we we all sort of know to a certain extent that if you're doing well on social media you can make a lot of dough
2: well i just mean to so like like the uber driver that picks me up and is like what do you do and i'm like i'm a youtuber and then the next question is how the hell does that work like, right. how how do you get paid which i think is i wouldn't know either
1: right well, I think, too, the beauty of it, right, is because of, like, if we're just talking about the pure aspect of making money from YouTube videos, uh-huh. which is the Google AdSense model where right. they put commercials on your videos and they give you a piece of the the money that they make from those those partnerships, the beauty of what we do, and I've, I've talked about this with friends, none of us have ever had a meeting with Google to mm-hmm. pitch them our channel. Mm-hmm. I've never had a creative meeting. I've never had to ask permission. No. I started putting up content and money started coming into a bank account. (laughs) Right, right. And it's like, and granted, some months were a couple hundred bucks and other months were were much more than that. But it was completely contingent on how creative could I be, how productive could I be, and how much did I want it? And Mm -hmm. It's kind of beautiful, especially for guys like us where we know what it is to come from the old guard Uh and have to like... Pray that five gatekeepers will let us in the kingdom. I know, right? Yeah, just it's, to make it's a unbelievable.
2: living. Unbelievable! It's unbelievable, and it's no different than I like to look at it as any other piece of technology that's out there. Um, Task Rabbit. I can find a guy for thirty six dollars to come hang these paintings. You know what I mean? Like it's it's uh, it, it that's the, the all that Silicon Valley shit. It's designed for, uh, I'm not, I'm not well, a well-spoken person, but it's designed for like the masses and it's not, it's designed, it's designed to level the playing field, mm. you know, which is like so nice about YouTube, which is like, okay, I have a chance. I tried to do this for 20 years, you know, and yeah. now I have a chance at it, which is like unbelievable.
1: Do you flirt with the idea of, of, using it to spring in almost it would seem like going backwards for to to spring into something in the theatrical world or the traditional world or have you sort of let that go i'm done
2: yeah yeah i let it go it's 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 really fun just to do this people say all the time like what are you gonna do like what is your, what's your dream i'm like well, this is it yeah like, i don't it's a place i am in my life too i'm like oh like just like having a job that's it like what more would you want maybe, maybe Judd Apatow like was like, here, here's like four lines. For some reason he liked me. I'd be like, Oh fuck. Yeah. You know, or something like that. But I mean, I don't, you know, that's not coming. So it's like, Oh yeah, I don't. And it's nice not sweating anything. And it, and that, and that shows in your work. Cause for so many years I was just sweating everything. And it's just like, Oh yeah. Like you want to do a show, let's do a stand up show. Like, let's go. You want to do a tour? Let's do a tour. You want to write a book? Let's write a book. Like, it's just so much better than, than waiting around for someone to say yes.
1: I can't do it, and it's so goddamn time consuming. It's so time consuming. Ah, sitting on a set. What about your project? Can you talk about it? Um, I can't talk about. I I gotta no. It's fine, (laughs) but I I, am. But yeah, I'll ask
2: you off camera.
1: But it's a good balance. It's all like a good.
2: See, I'm not good at balancing things. Right. I, I I don't like it. That was why. That was why I never got anywhere for ten years. It's Because I was like, oh, I going to write a movie. I want to write a book. I want to do this. But here, stand up. I'm here eventually. you are
1: balancing like five different sources of income.
2: Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. But it's all like kind of playing into the same.
1: Yeah, I guess.
2: I guess so. I just I just wouldn't want to be writing a, a cop movie right now. I get it. And then like
1: trying to go to DreamWorks and being like, oh, so-and-so likes it. I don't know if anyone would watch it. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if, you know, it's just, or you could make a video that gets like 5 million views. and I, I don't know. I know. it's, Do it, you know what it is? It's just
2: that, it's just, it's just so hard.
1: <laughs> what, can you distill
2: what you- and, and there's other things I want to, like, I, I, I want to enjoy life. I want to, I want to go be with my kids. I
1: want to, you know, I don't want to be on a set. I think that's so refreshing. And you're right. People are so obsessed with, and and I think this is in so many different areas, but everyone wants you to one up yourself. Yeah. And I think they want you to do it for them because their job has a ceiling. They're like, I'm I'm in HR, like best case scenario, one day I'm head of HR. Right. You know, or I'm I'm an accountant, maybe one day I'll be a partner. But like I love the idea of you saying, no, like what I'm doing is more than enough and I don't need it to like, I don't need to set some unnecessary, unnecessary goal that perhaps wouldn't even make me happy anyway. Right. Well, I, I watched this Kevin Hart documentary
2: on Netflix. I'm a big fan of Kevin Hart. I love him so much. And he's doing so much. In, um Too much. And I, I, I'm like, I'm like, and the, the documentary is really good actually, because it kind of goes into why he's doing so much because of the way he was, like, brought up and stuff and the stuff that happened to him as a kid, which I think is what they're intimating at. But, like, you know, to leave Wyatt and Charlie for 300 days on a tour, like, no. Yeah.
1: No, I can't. Like, I don't want to, you know? Do you know who uh, Paul Gilmartin is? Of course. Yeah, he's your buddy, right? Yeah. I uh, He talks about on his podcast that uh, he had a friend who went and climbed Mount Everest and he got to the top, and then Paul asked him, <laughs> "And when you got to the top, did you find your father's love?" <laughs> it's really funny, you know. It's such a Paul Gilmartin joke. That's really funny. It's very Paul. Yeah. Um. So my last like two questions: Working with someone like David, who's crushing it so hard and is having so much success, can you distill down one or two observations you've made over your time with him that you think? has led to so much of his success?
2: Oh, yeah, 100%. I love this question. Okay, so the one thing that he's really good at is he um, doesn't hold on to things at all. So, so so many of us will be like, I wanted this and I wanted that, and why uh, didn't I make more money, whatever. If there's any kind of like disagreement amongst us, he's the first person to pick up the text to call and, and literally will say, and it, let's, let's figure this out right now. So he doesn't, he never rests on anything like that, which is, I think is a really good quality. He, I think I mentioned before too, he has no ego about ideas, which I think is really good. Um, and he's just, he's tenacious. He is just like your example with, the, with Big Bird and the cops, he's fucking tenacious I mean, he he's just there's no there's, he will go to the end of the. he will scorch the earth to get that bit. It doesn't matter. I saw him. One of the best things I ever seen him do. I learned so much from this guy. It's so crazy and he's so young. It's so humbling to learn something from such a young person, you know, but you learned so I've learned so much from him. And he uh, he was pranking Brandon, convincing Brandon that um that there was an earthquake in the San Andreas fault. This was the bit, right? This was the thing he was doing his vlog. So we, we hired all these extras. Um, we hired I think 40, 60 extras. It was at Bellingham when we used to live at Bellingham. We we come in. Um, I don't know how he, I can't remember how we did it, but there was like maybe there was a, a news report on TV or whatever. Brandon's flipping out, flipping out, flipping out, and David's got him. David's got the camera on him, he's got him hook, line, and sinker. There's there's a there's a crying baby in the street, there's a cop car. We run outside. I get in my car. I I drive down. I come back. The road's blocked. Brandon's flipping out, flipping out. And then something happens where something goes wrong where Brandon, who's not an idiot, is like, this is a fucking prank. This is a fucking prank. And anyone else would have been like, fuck, it's up. And David fucking just hangs in there. He hangs in there to the point where he reconvinces Brandon that it is real. Like, I don't know how he did it. I did it. I watched him do it. Cause as soon as Brandon said that, I was like, fuck it's over. And, uh, and then, you know, he pulled it off. So that's just an example. He's just so tenacious. You know,
1: I remember, uh, I don't know. You told me this story and I've, I've repeated it many times and it speaks to his work ethic. And it was something that I was so impressed by with David, but this is when he had a, You know, three video a week cadence that he kept up for, what, over 400 videos. Mm -hmm. And you and uh, David had been invited by Casey Neistat to this really cool Samsung event at Lincoln Center. Okay. This was like 2018. So you flew out, and it's like really fancy, cool people there, and it's going to be this big show. Uh And I I remember you guys get back the next day, and I said to you, how was the show? And you were like, it was great, but David didn't see it oh yeah yeah and I said what do you mean and you said it was Wednesday night and a vlog had to go up and David was outside Lincoln Center editing the vlog oh yeah yeah he just carries the laptop with him crazy and and no thought of like you know what this is life and this is once in a lifetime (laughs) I should see this it was like no well, oh, keep in mind it was the premiere of a new phone,
0: so it wasn't
2: that important. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. But it actually it was it was a really cool event with like a lot of like you know short films and.
1: I don't think and, it would have mattered then, Jason. I think it could have been the fucking Oscars. It could have been. It definitely could have been the Oscars. I mean, tr- I think
2: he tried to bring his. I think he tried to edit at the Streamies one year, and people were like, "You can't." But yeah, yeah he's he, and then and that's what's great about him. You know, he's like, um, he's just remained very humble. Uh, He's he's very loyal. He's loyal to a fault, too. Like you know, there's people that like me. Like I'm sure, he could get rid of.
1: No, that's not true. But don't never fucking say that about yourself. He's so loyal. No, it's because um, you have the goods. Because oh, you offer him something great. Listen, we've all seen. You know, God bless him. But he's not like he doesn't suffer fools. Like if you're not servicing the agenda. Oh sure, sure. You gotta yeah, beat it.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, he. But yeah, he's he's pretty pretty magical kid, and I'm happy I met him. Happy well, I met you too.
1: Happy I met you too. I'm happy. Do you want to talk about your star-making performance on Drake and Josh before sure, we go? Sure, I'd love to. What was that like?
2: Oh man, I was working on a, a a a prank show with a bunch of girls. The girls were called the Rad Girls. <laughs> they were like from like Northern California. So bad. They were like it was like um, when Jackass was big. So of course MTV was like, we need a female version of this. Obviously, yeah. Or no, it wasn't even MTV. It was Fuse. Like that was those were the kind of jobs I was working, which was just fine. Like great, you know, it pay's good. You just come up with bits all day for these girls to do pranks. And I remember I was working, and my friend Eric Friedman, he just called me, and he was like, "I was like, hey, I know you want to be an actor," and I was like, "Yeah, I do." He's like, "Well, we have, you know, I have a part on Drake and Josh," and I was like, "Oh, sick, awesome." Did you know the show? Uh, yeah, I knew it. I knew it. And I've told, I've told you, like, I would always watch you and be like, "Wow, that guy's really funny." Just <laughs> so. Just so naturally funny. They carried the whole fucking show. And uh and then I remember uh just going there and uh I had my line. Are you okay? And I remember being in the dressing room being like, Are you okay? Are you okay? <laughs> Are, you okay? Are you okay? So good. Doing that over and over again. I was a waiter and I went out and did my line. And I remember seeing you on set, and I I definitely like remember making a point of, like, I'm going to fucking say hi to that guy because I think he's funny, like, in my head. And that was probably – I probably thought about that for, like, an hour, just, you know, sitting there, like, just finding the right moment. And I remember I walked over to you, and I was like – I don't know what I said, but I probably said something like, hey, what's up? You're really funny. Like, this is so cool. And I remember you being like, oh, so nice to meet you. Thank you. But you were you were busy. Like, you were literally, like, getting direction. And, <laughs> and uh, Drake was next to you, and I didn't say – Anything to Drake, um, which I hope he didn't wasn't offended.
1: I'm sure he was.
2: Uh, maybe. And, um, and, uh, and maybe I shook Drake's hand too. I don't remember. But I remember making a point of being like, I have to say hello to him. I don't know why. And, um, and yeah. And then I remember we had to stay really late. And that was it. And now I still get tweets about it.
1: And here we are today, co-stars. Yeah, I know. I love it. Isn't that crazy? Um, okay, last question. The thing I ask everyone on the podcast. Yeah. What are your one or two Jason Nash commandments? Truths that you've discovered <laughs> that you'd want to impress upon someone else? I love this.
2: Um uh we we had this one yesterday. Um uh, we had um we were going to give somebody $10,000 yesterday for a video mm. and they were they were like not great and eventually they were so not great that we went somewhere else and uh
1: what just, does not great
2: mean? They just, they were. just weren't. They weren't nice, mm. and just just uh, just show up with a really good attitude. That will get you so far, and and I can't stress it enough. Just like even if you're in a bad mood, just try to lift everybody up around you because it goes so far. People want to be around, you know, positive people, and 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 you have to remember too, like everybody's going through something, so it's really important to like. Uh, that's one of my commandments. Another one is probably, Oh, don't do too much.
1: (laughs) That's one's just for me. Audience. Yeah. Don't. Well, you know, you don't do too much. Um, Trust me. Are you, you ever seen any of my performances? It's wait. It's all too much. No, no, I don't mean, I don't mean.
2: Oh, that's fine. No, I mean like, um, I, for, for so many years when I was working, I was like trying all these things and trying to do all these things. And then finally, when, uh, When I started to do YouTube, I literally sat down with like a piece of paper and I was like, I am just doing YouTube. And that was like the most freeing thing ever. Only one thing to think about. And then people would, and I had had made two movies. I had directed two movies. So at that time when I started doing YouTube, I was getting phone calls like, hey, do you want to write and direct this thing for no money? Like, you know, here's here's, um, $10,000 for you to like write a script. I was like, no, nothing. Like, I'm not, I'm not doing anything. Uh, I'm doing YouTube that's it. And people were like, what, what, why, why are you stopping? Or like, hey, we have an audition for you. It's at 1156 Riverside. And I'd be like, no, I'm not doing it. And then it was like, what, why not? This is great. And I'm like, no, I'm doing YouTube. And that to me was really freeing and really liberating. And I think it's, I think it's something that people in regular jobs know, like, yeah, I'm a doctor. I go to be a doctor every day. Yeah, I'm a trash man. But for us, like for people in the entertainment industry, like, focus on one thing even my son he's learned he's trying to learn five instruments right now and my mother and i pull them aside we're like hey guitar that's the one you're best at yeah just just do the guitar he's like yeah yeah i know but i i want to do um josh does a great impression of my son by the way
1: um but you know the violin is like so and and i want to be good at all of them um i just my desire it's to be a multi-instrumentalist. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with some of the greats, but Mozart actually played six instruments. Yeah. And you're stifling my creativity, but thank you, Dad, for your insight because I know you do care about me. I took him to a Herbie Hancock show. <laughs> Sick. Watermelon
2: Man? Yeah, he was like, I want to go see Herbie Hancock. And
1: I was God like, bless that kid.
2: Like, okay. So we get there. We get in the ticket. We get there, and we're, we're sharing a box with a, a this like, 70-year-old African-American man and his wife, and the, they start playing, and it's unlistenable. It's I can't. It is unlistenable. Josh is like he go like that, and I just looked over at Wyatt, who was like thirteen at the time, and he was just like, yeah. <laughs> and then the the African American dude, he was like, he's like my man. He's like this kid gets it, and and they were in heaven together. And I, ugh, it was I couldn't even listen to it. God bless. Not a great story. <laughs> I love it. You were like, "What?" Wait, you were like, "Can we get some U two? Do you know any U two, Herbie?" It's just not. It's just not music that I get. I get that. You know,
1: it's cacophon. It's cacophonous. <laughs> I, I love it. He's a Herbie Hancock's a national treasure. All right, I gotta close it. up. <laughs> I'm kidding. Love you, dude. Love you too. Thank you. All right. That was it. That was Jason. Wow. Come on guys, really? Can you believe it? Yeah. That was it and that was great. You don't have to say it, I'll say it. If that was that was podcasting. That was people talking back and forth. So that's cool. All right. Anyway, guys, I'll see you soon. I love you. Take care. All the best.
0: Bye.